Welcome to the Ferguson Library Podcast. In this episode, we bring you Selena Policar, better known to many as Frankie M. Cyanide, the busiest drag king in Connecticut. When not performing punk drag, Policar has served as a Stanford City official, worked at a local school, and busily advocated for LGBTQ rights. How does one become a punk rock drag king? What's the most punk thing a person can do? For the answers, we turn to Selena Policar. My real name is Selena Policar, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm better known as Frankie Cyanide. Technically, technically, my full drag name is Frankie M. Cyanide, but the M literally stands for meh, because someone on Instagram had the Frankie Cyanide handle already. <laughs> and I am Connecticut's busiest drag king. I run a weekly open stage for new performers and old performers who want to do things that maybe they can't do at their paid gigs. So Frankie is a flamboyant children's show villain, you know, the the type where they aren't really actually evil, but they really like purple and eyeliner and laughing maniacally at the stupidest things. He's like Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb mixed with Floop from Spy Kids mixed with um, Monty Hall from Let's Make a Deal and uh, let's throw Gene Rayburn from Match Game as well. So a 70s game show host mixed with a cartoon uh, kids villain. The name of Frankie has a backstory which is that I was sitting in 10th grade chemistry class looking at the I don't know, valences and photons or something. And I noticed that francium and cyanide would be able to fit together, theoretically. Um, And I thought, that would be a cool name. I'm going to write a novel, and that's going to be the name of the main character. And like most 15-year-olds who decide to write a novel, that never happened. But about a decade later, I decided I was going to start performing and was thinking of a name, and I realized Frankie Cyanide was also a sort of gender-neutral name because sometimes I'll go out as a queen, uh, a little bit more Lily Lily Tomlin than Lady Gaga, but still a queen. And I, so that's the backstory for the name. Also, my chemistry teacher was extraordinarily homophobic, so I hope that someday he, he learns uh, what his class birthed. But as far as Frankie the character's backstory, nah, not, no real backstory other than the backstory that is the same as me. The, the trying to get into the scene and realizing that there's a lot, of, a lot of prejudice and misogyny within the scene that makes it difficult as a king, but... That's been changing in recent years. I was I was raised by late 70s punks who then became professional clowns, and that kind of, I guess, would be Frankie's backstory as well because it explains so much about me. <laughs> My mom only only was a clown when, when she had to because she hated it, but uh, she, she's a teacher, but when she was home with the kids and then my dad would need somebody to do face paint while he was doing balloons at a gig, then, then she'd pop out and she'd be like, okay, fine. Um, 
But my dad, he still he still does parties. Uh, back when I was a kid, he was possibly he was one of the most booked uh, party clowns on Long Island where I grew up, and. Uh, so I was always surrounded by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle costumes or, or whatever. There's, there's pictures of me as an infant holding a little plastic skull like it's my best friend. Um, I never quite understood what was or wasn't normal. And uh, I, I, uh, my, my father would often be booked to dress up as a popular Robin Williams character who would wear a dress back in the 90s. I used that dress when I played Aunt Eller in my middle school production of Oklahoma. So, you know, being able to just just uh, borrow your father's dress is not something most people can say that they've done. Sad to say. You might never know what you're going to get at a Frankie show, but you can rest assured that you probably aren't going to find anyone else doing the same thing. Probably because my taste in music is really old and obscure most of the time. Tomorrow, uh, this week at my weekly open stage, I'm going to be performing to a song that uh, details the entire plot of the movie Jaws just because it's a really funny song and I have a bunch of shark puppets that I used when I performed Baby Shark one time at a story time and I, what else can I use these for? We hosted a May the 4th Star Wars night and I dressed up as Captain Kirk just to, just to bother people by doing Star Trek instead of Star Wars. But then for the second half of the show, I dressed up as Han Solo and performed to a parody of Jason Derulo's Riding Solo, but it's just I'm a Han Solo, and it's a terrible song, but it was hilarious. I, I occasionally get myself into trouble with my big mouth, but it is... Frankie is... I'm called Papa Frankie by a lot of the performers that I've helped I've helped at my open stage, just because a lot of a lot of the drag scene expects you to be exactly like every other performer on on the television on drag race and i have nothing against britney spears and lady gaga they are fierce performers but i am never going to be able to dance in the style or or quality that they are and if i if i attempt to do that then that's not entertaining for me or for the audience so there's so much diversity in the drag world, and I, I, I wanted to make sure that that diversity can be seen by more than just me. I have been putting on a bi-monthly punk drag show up in New Haven at the State House, and we've done three of those, and they have been so successful. Um, getting performers from all across the state. Because again, many people only get the opportunities to do that pop music that that makes the makes the eleven forty five or one a.m. crowds excited. And I am tired and want to have a punk show at eight thirty p.m. Thank you very much. Because if you are punk, you probably have a day job the next day because punk has been dead for decades. But. It's nice to be able to go, get up there and do 
Richard Hell and the Voidoids or uh, some Ian Dury or Mindless Self-Indulgence or The Offspring. with the uh, various nonprofits, the various LGBT nonprofits in the state. I am on the board for Stanford Pride, and I work closely with New Haven Pride Center and Triangle Community Center and uh, Q+, which is run out of Hartford in their various events. And June is coming up, and it's going to be a wild time. <laughs> We're going to be having a star-studded brunch uh, with four or five performers. We'll have seating for about 150 people this time. We're going to be having a table at Pride in the Park in Norwalk that's run by Triangle Community Center. And that's going to be a really good way for people to realize to learn that we exist because we are still a very new organization for sure. Stanford Pride originally was put together in 2019 with the intention of having a whole bunch of events in June 2020 and I think you can imagine how that went. So in 2021, which was last year, we had our events in August because, you know, June was still people, not everyone had gotten their vaccinations yet, and it was still a weird time to try to schedule things. The ones we did were really well attended. We had a youth uh, LGBT meetup at Honey Joe's Coffee House down next to Target, and that we were expecting maybe, you know, 15 to 20 kids to show up because teenagers am I right can you rely on them to show up to things apparently yes because we probably had about 50 50 kids show up and it was a blast I performed along with um mischievous who is another local queen or local performer who uh, um uh she works at a school in Stanford and at the time, I also worked at a school in Stanford, so it was kind of fun getting to be our alter egos with the, with the youth of, of the city that we work in. We had our brunch, which was a huge success. It was absolutely wild, super stressful, but the good type of stress. And we also had our... Uh, drag story time here at the library which we had uh, so much fun and we're going to be doing that again and right this year we're doing a rainbow rave which is a big party that is the first friday or second friday it's june 10th we're going to be having students from various schools uh, across stanford and also neighboring cities are going to be coming by for that one and i'll be performing at that along with a Milford Queen, Destiny Harmony. Yes. 
So I I was on the Democratic City Committee uh, starting in 2017. Uh, there was a special election, and I won that one. And then there was a re-election, and I went and and I got re-elected. And then, and that was in March of 2020. And then in April of 2020 one of the representatives on the board of reps in my district, District 12, passed away. And three days before that, wrote a letter uh, basically asking if I could replace her. So there's no real way you could say no to someone's dying wish. So um, I was appointed as her replacement, and I carried out the rest of that term and it was pretty convenient because it was all remote because it was, you know, April 2020. I stepped down from the Democratic City Committee uh, that summer once once I found someone I could trust to be my replacement there because I have ethical issues with people taking up both of those spots because the Board of Reps is um, appointed to the ballot by the members of the Democratic City Committee. So I thought that it was not the greatest look to be in a position where I could appoint myself to something. But uh, that's still allowed. So I guess I am in the minority there. Um, so I continued that out. And then once it got to the election at the end of last year in November, I decided not to run for re-election. I was tech support at the King School for almost eight years. I um, I left back in February, and um, I really I loved a lot of things about about working there. I loved being able to get to know the kids. I w did a lot of work with the uh, theater department, especially during during COVID. We had some socially distanced live streamed plays that were performed live where we had a separate camera on each person and plexiglass between them and I ran the computer and ran which cameras were on screen at which time it was it was really cool I really liked getting to uh, know the community and I was the advisor for the LGBTQIA affinity group when we started it there at both the middle school and the upper school and it was really great. I um the the main reason I quit was so that I could focus more on on my performance, on my on my drag and being at work at 7:30 5 days a week just ran its ran its course. I did enough of that. I now work at a popular green coffee chain and I am so happy. Even when I have to be in at 5 a.m., it's just I get to be friendly with people all day and I get as much coffee as I want, which is a lot of coffee because I'm building up a tolerance. I mean, COVID burnout was a big part of it. I really, my, my joy in, in both of those did plummet during COVID and it never really quite got back to where it was. And it made me realize that it was time. It was it was time for many many reasons, 
but I realized that I could uh, afford to pay my rent based on just drag plus part-time job, and why not? Why not? I spent my 20s being financially responsible and 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 doing the correct thing and having a, a big kid job, and that was nice. But it's 2022 now, and the social paradigms have all shifted, and the idea of what a proper job is for an adult is different. Now I have coworkers who I learn from who are literally 17, and they're great. I love them. They're cool. They don't get any of the references I make, but that's okay. <laughs> Kids these days, they don't remember a time before gay marriage was legal, and now with uh, the repeal of Roe v. Wade, there's a lot of valid concern that that the Supreme Court could decide to repeal um, gay marriage and the sodomy laws and everything else that was based on the privacy clause of the 14th Amendment. Which is terrifying and definitely, I think, a bit of a... It's got to be some sort of cultural whiplash for the teenagers right now who might not have ever had to think about the idea of it being illegal to be who they are. Um, I remember when... when uh, it was a state-by-state state thing getting legalized and how exciting it was. And it's definitely really sad to see even the possibility of things getting rolled back. But I would say that even with all of that, as gay teenagers and queer teenagers of whatever type, because a lot of, a lot of kids are realizing their, their gender identity is different than what they were assigned at birth. A lot of um, people are realizing that they're trans at a younger age now because they're in a more open and welcoming environment, which I think is wonderful. And even if there might be a couple of steps back in general acceptance, I do think that on average teenagers and society as a whole is a lot more accepting than it than it used to be so there are still people who are kicked out of their houses for being gay in fact one of my friends recently um i helped her start a gofundme because she is functionally homeless right now and sleeping on a couch in new hampshire after getting kicked out by her religious parents um which it, that's, it does still happen, and it's just as bad, but there are more support networks than, than there used to be. You're not, there's not this, oh, you're automatically going to be living on the streets and dead by 22, like a lot of people feared it would be um, if they were a gay teenager uh, earlier also. The knowledge and um, safe sex practices and the access to medications and everything where if if some youthful indiscretions lead to somebody getting HIV, it isn't a death sentence like it used to be. And 
So there's not that same stigma in that sense of, I'm gay, I can't tell anyone because I'm going to die immediately, which a lot of, a lot of people uh, used to have, especially, you know, 80s, early 90s. It is so important for the drag scene and also the LGBTQ community to remember that diversity is what got us where we are. And Stonewall was a riot. Being quiet and accepting the bad things has never worked out well for us. And there's nothing wrong with raising your voice to call out injustices. There is so much beauty in diversity, in racial diversity, in gender diversity, um, and Connecticut has so much of that to uh, show, as does, as does the rest of the world. And even if you are raising your voice and fighting injustices, in a world that is so violent right now, you can do it while still being kind to the people who are kind to you. If someone isn't kind to you, you don't have to be kind to them. But you can be an activist, and you can fight, and you can call out injustices, and you can still be a kind person. And there's nothing more punk than that. Frankie M. Cyanide can be found on Facebook and on Instagram under the handle at Frankie M. Cyanide. That's F-R-A-N-K-I-E-M-C-Y-A-N-I-D-E. Stamford Pride can be found in the same places under the name Stamford CT Pride. As always, the Ferguson Library can be found at fergusonlibrary.org. We thank Selena Polakar for talking to us, and thank you for listening. 